From First Community Church in Columbus, Ohio, this is Still Listening with Julie and Glenn Miles. Welcome to Episode 4. Hi, this is Glenn and Julie Miles, uh, and with Still Listening, you may remember we had several podcasts last summer, uh, and we uh, put them on hold for a while, and now here we are again, end of May, and ready to uh, do another podcast. So with our brand new Director of Communications, Morgan Mulgrew, who is um, uh, here in the room with us, making sure we stay on task and on target. So um, uh, Morgan had a great idea that came off of um, Facebook, I believe, uh, from one of our um, church members, suggesting that we talk about uh, hospitality and inclusion and why that's been an important part of our lives and when we've practiced that ourselves in our homes. So Julie, why don't you talk a little bit about um, some times in our past when we've we've put to practice what we preach, so to speak. Okay, I. Um, so what intrigued me was the words "a way of life." Um, I think that's part of the our growing up and out on the farm is that we always had an open door, always had an open door, and. When you and I were married, young married couple, we moved to Johnson City, Tennessee, and that's when we first um, opened our doors. Um, when we lived in Johnson City, Tennessee, we were known for having uh, a free... Why were we in Johnson City, by the way? Oh, <laughs> we moved there for seminary, oh, and <laughs> so we... Um, for very quickly made friends and we made it very clear that they were welcome in our home at all times. And many times we would come home from work or from a meeting at the church or wherever. And we already had a full house of people helping themselves to our refrigerator and our drinks and food and everything. But the one unique part of that is we kind of recognized that we were all in the same boat that um, we would all try to do our part in ter terms of contributing. And we found that um, that kind of created bonds that still exist today. So I think the key is being, um, being very open and vulnerable and willing to risk. I remember coming home one night on a Friday night and sitting on the floor in front of our little tiny TV that was smaller than the Joe's soundboard right here. It was just couldn't have been more than 12 inches or 13 inches wide was my Greek professor drinking a beer and sitting in the chair behind him was our good buddy Rob Rowe having a glass of wine. And over the other chair was Myron Larimer reading the Bible or something. At the same time, they're all watching some Clint Eastwood movie. Um, I, I just I don't I think it was a Clint Eastwood movie, but I really remember those three guys specifically sitting there eating our food, drinking our beverages, and like, oh hey guys, come on in. Oh well, thanks for welcoming us to our own house. <laughs> but I think that was that was I, I'm going to brag on you a little bit. That was really reflective of you too, in the way you just as you made friends, you told everybody, hey, you want to come over? Come over anytime. We'll be there unless we got something else going on. Just come on in and look in the fridge, get some food, find something cold to drink and, and make yourself at home. And people did and they brought food and we were poor as poor could be, but we never went without food. We never went without friends. It was an awesome time. It was, it really was. And our oldest son is still, is um, every time that I speak his name, I think of Scott Rollins and he was one of those people that were in our house every, well, quite often, 
maybe not every day, but quite often. I remember last year of school uh, that we were there, I took Hebrew, two semesters of Hebrew, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m., and Rollins picked me up every single one of those days about 45 minutes early, knowing that you would fix him breakfast. <laughs> it was a good thing, because he helped me with my Hebrew homework, and you fed him, so it was, a, it was a good deal for both of us. I also remember coming home from church one Sunday, and there was a cow on the porch. <laughs> yeah. That you told me, just you know, Miss Farm Girl said, just run at yeah, it and it'll run, run away. away. And so I ran at it and it came off straight at me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's another story for another time. Yeah. <laughs> what about some good practical uh, things that a church can do, Julie, for um, creating an open and welcoming, inviting atmosphere? I think the church that's willing to uh, become uncomfortable um, on behalf of someone else is very difficult to do. Um, I think I haven't met anybody who really enjoys being uncomfortable, um, but it is a gift that you can learn how to demonstrate. And the one top key is to, um, the word notice comes to mind. When you see somebody in the sanctuary and they're sitting all by themselves, ask them if you could sit with them. Strike up a conversation. It doesn't have to be a spiritual or deep conversation, but just sit next to them and talk about life and how they're feeling that day. And just by doing that, you're making them feel welcome and included. Um, I think in the same vein, being a, willing to move when someone comes to sit down, that you're in your favorite spot, and but being willing to get up and move down the pew in order to make room for somebody else communicates volumes. I think also sitting in the center of the pew versus sitting on the aisle makes room for a visitor or someone that's running a little late that they don't have to come in and crawl over you to find a seat. Um, I think sometimes giving up your favorite parking spot, <laughs> which is probably my most difficult thing to do um, every so often, allows a first-time guest to feel as though First Community Church is expecting them and wants them to find their way through our doors. Um, I think um, when I mentioned that one time in a meeting, uh, somebody said, I've been a member of this church all my life, and so why should I have to park far away? And I responded by saying, this church has been a gift to you your whole life, and now it's time to share that gift with somebody else. These simple acts of kindness can go a long way to communicate hospitality. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I, that reminded me of a couple of things. One is um, people decide, visitors, first-time guests to a church, decide within 10 minutes of their arrival from the point they park their car and get out and walk on the campus, make their way into the sanctuary, the worship space, wherever that's it is. Right. They decide within 10 minutes whether or not they're going to come back to visit that church, let alone join. So and that's before they've heard anything. They heard probably the sermon, haven't heard the sermon. Music. They most likely haven't heard any music, music yet. They're just on their way in, and it's the way they—it's what they feel as they're walking in the door. It's—it's it's whether or not they were greeted. And and people don't walk in with a checklist saying, "Oh, let me look here and see. Did they greet me? Did they welcome me?" People aren't doing that. They're going honestly by feel. And so, the more we can create that kind of atmosphere where it's natural and and just part of who we are the more people will, will find their way back to First Community Church, whether to North or, or South Campus. The, the second thing that, that I thought of as you were, were talking was the, um, 
the idea that a church that that focuses inwardly on the on on the needs of those who are already there as their primary focus is a church that's in decline. Everything I've read the last six months, especially, says that growing churches focus on the outside, on, on letting people know beyond their walls, here's who we are, here's the kind of congregation we are, here's what, here's what we believe, here's what we practice, and we would love for you to be a part of what we're doing because we love what we're doing here. And that becomes a focus, uh, an outward focus like that becomes a way that more and more people make their way into the, into the congregation. And that's true regardless of the theology. That's what's fascinating to me. I, I think we've already uh, got a leg up on a lot of folks because our theology is one that is open and welcome to anyone and to everyone. So that already helps. And then we just need to put that into practice in these great practical tips that, that you have. Um, I think that that's true. The, the headline for this podcast was hospitality and inclusion as a way of life. And I think that there are, um, you kind of stumble here and there, but there are moments when you kind of realize this is who I am and this is what I want to convey to each and every person that I meet. Jesus, uh, when there were children making noise off to the side and the disciples were saying, tell the kids to be quiet, Jesus said, uh, no, bring the kids to me. I, mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing when we have children in worship and they're making a little bit of noise, they're maybe crying a little bit, or they're, they're, they're not sitting perfectly still. That's a sign of a, of a lively, thriving, growing church, one that, that communicates just by welcoming everyone, including those little children that we're ready and wanting, wanting those folks to be a part of our life. I think that's very important. I love a quote I saw the other day from Brene Brown. I think it was Abby Jo Griffith who sent it uh, our way here at the church. Brene says uh, that places of worship should have these words on the walls. Be you, be seen, belong. That really fits, Julie, with what you were saying about uh, noticing uh, people who are in church. Just be you. Uh, be seen and belong. Just be who you are. Don't try to be something other than who you are. If you walk up to somebody and say, hi, I'm, I'm Glenn. Nice to see you. And they say, well, I've been a member of this church for 50 years. That's okay. You just, yeah, you just smile and say, saying, great. Wait, I'm so I'm glad, so glad we finally met, you yeah. know, whatever it might be. Now, I, I, I have an excuse because I'm still pretty new. Uh, both, both of us have an excuse that way. Um, but I also think that that's... Um, I know this is kind of a, a cliche word these days, but people are throwing the word authenticity around a lot. And even though it's a cliche, it's true. If we are authentically who we are, then people will be attracted to us. If we're playing pretend, if we're acting like something that we think we're supposed to act, but it's not really who we are, then that will that will push people away. Within that first 10 minutes, they'll pick that up in, in, in an instant. And a book that came to mind uh, as I was thinking about Brene Brown's work, and I recommend anything she's done, Daring Greatly is, is a terrific, a terrific book. Uh, I got to think about Rob Bell's uh, work uh, titled Love Wins. Uh, I read it four or five years ago when it came out. I loved the work that he that he was doing. I'm a little bit jealous that he sold all these books um, uh, with a theology that basically is reflective of the kind of theology we've been proclaiming here at First Community, um, and I've been proclaiming in my ministry for forever. Um, but we watched the uh, the Rob Bill documentary uh, a couple of Sundays ago, t titled "The Heretic," and I was I was very touched when he um, uh, expressed what it was like writing this book. In his book, Love Wins, he essentially says, the title is the, is the point, um, love will win in the end. Love will be greater than all the evil that the world has ever seen. And 
God's love will be full enough to welcome anyone and everyone. To me, that seems like such a beautiful and obvious point, but he just got hammered uh, in one aspect of the wider universal church for being too liberal, for being a heretic, for being too open. And he even with tears in his eyes talked about how tough it was to leave his church as a result of writing that book to go on speaking tours when he had, was used to speaking in front of a thousand, now had 50 people showing up. And so I, I guess I'm, I'm telling this story as a way of reminding ourselves um, that not everyone reacts positively to an open and affirming kind of theology, to a, a place that really truly does welcome anyone and, and, and everyone. And, and, and if, if we run into some negativity because of that view, well then, fine, we're gonna run into that negativity. Yeah, I think that that's, um I I don't know. I I have a hard time believing that people would um, reject a authentic approach to being uh, real and just taking notice of people. Um, I just it's just a really it may seem a little awkward at first, but I think in the long run um, they would very much treasure that. We've worked really hard with our kids, too, to be sure that they um, uh, see us practicing being open and welcoming. I remember when we were in Atlanta and there were three other families that all lived right there across the street, literally across the street from us, next door and across the street. And we kind of had an open door policy with our neighbors, which was anytime you want to come over. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. The fridge is open. Uh, if, if somebody else's kids need to be picked up early and I couldn't get home, Jenny, our neighbor, would be glad to watch the boys and vice versa. We'd watch her kids. Um, same with the folks across the street. Randy and Karen didn't have kids. Uh, yet they were just as engaged in our lives and our families as, as anybody else. And it was just really a sweet time where I think it, it helped our, our both of our boys when they're growing up in their most formative right. years to see that that this is the way to live life, to mm-hmm. be to be friendly, to have friends, to be open, and and make sure they uh, uh, saw that as a real way of, of being and living with each other. Tell a little bit about Kathy and Doug Dornhecker and how they they helped us uh, when we came right out of college. Well, again, like our friends in Tennessee that we named our oldest son after our. Um, one of our dear friends, we named our youngest son after Doug Dornhecker. Um, Stephen Douglas. Stephen Douglas Miles. And so um, I recall how open and warm they were when we first met them. I can't remember the truck stop. Didn't we meet them at a truck stop? The truck stop north of Eugene, where where we were in college, and Kathy was approximately 10 months Months pregnant. Months pregnant, yeah. And and I remember she had strawberry ice cream and pickles. Yes. And and they were just both hilarious and immediately kind and gracious to us. Well, and and so you... uh, because of that experience, decided to um, go into the ministry. That was your first associate position with Doug as the senior and in Central California. And I'll, I still see these little girls. You know, there were probably, what, five, Dirt three? And and, Dirt and yeah, Dirt little girls. Yeah, and every, well, a lot. Maybe not every wait, well, Sunday night, wait. but a she lot was, of Sunday nights. She was very pregnant. Kathy was pregnant with her third one, but it was it was Corey or the oldest, Corey, who was five, Mary Francis. Francis. And then Josie came along after we after we uh, arrived down there. Yeah. Right. And so, but I remember being invited Sunday nights for meals at their house and sitting around that dinner table laughing and telling stories and the girls engaging um, with their 
what had happened with them and during worship services. Um, so it was really a time where we felt very, very close. And uh, I can remember Doug convincing us that Tennessee is where we needed to go for seminary. And um, and that's kind of how we ended up all the way out there. So I really, they are dear, dear friends of ours still. We spent vacation with them last summer at their lake house in Washington State. And um, it's just like no time has passed every time we get together with them. And I think that's due to their hospitality. This is Still Listening with Julie and Glenn Miles. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss, feel free to send it to listening at glennmiles.org.